Big Fluff. Do I smell gingerbread? <laughs> Come here. Well, that's a new one. They can't really be having Christmas without me. I gotta see this to believe it. They're really having Christmas without me. So sorry, George. I guess I'll just go back to my cage before I ruin Christmas anymore. Hey, everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And it's Christmas time again, everybody. We got through the shameless cash grab that is November, and we're at the holiday season in full force, and that means we needed to get saved by a dog. Yeah, we did. Yeah, thank God we got past all the capitalism of the previous month so that we can focus on Christmas, a completely idealistic non-capitalistic holiday a holiday that's just not commercialized that really gets down to the real meaning of the holiday and isn't you know bothered with other you know useless filigree the way all those other holidays are it's a holiday where we gather around the ones that we love and we give them an automobile with a bow on top of it yeah, that's how I celebrate Christmas. Yeah, but I mean, I was raised with Honda days. So that was, yeah. you know, I was raised with religion. I mean, my, my wife celebrates Toyotathon, so it's a little bit different. Oh, mixed faith marriage. That's Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can say happy Honda days and I won't be upset. Uh, but um, I will also wish you a merry Toyotathon. I, I was offended when Starbucks stopped putting Honda days on their cups and many people have said that that was a special endorsement deal that honda was paying for but come on yeah that's nonsense yeah um either way we are watching the third installment of the dog who saved series uh and this time it is the dog who saves the holidays yeah he saved christmas yeah he saved christmas vacation Mm -hmm. now he's saving the holidays i like that it's getting more generic that the the, i don't think they make these anymore and i you know i know that they pivoted to other holidays they've done halloween they've done easter yeah but uh it would have been fun if they were just like the dog who saves winter break (laughs) the dog who saves using up your sick leave before the end of the fiscal year also it's funny because they say the holidays but it's still christmas it is not it's 100 percent christmas there is they don't no mean, representation of other holidays in this movie no talk of yule no talk of hanukkah no talk of kwanzaa which would have been easy and also uh, come on you're telling me you're depriving us of classic george bannister i don't understand hanukkah comedy like come on I'm kind of glad this is the last one. We don't have to do the other ones, right? No. Are we done? No. Um, I do have a movie pitch, though, but we'll get to that later related Ooh. to the dog saving things. But we'll... Because I feel like we're going to need to pad this runtime a little bit. Uh, so we'll, 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 <laughs> which we'll is, stick a pin in that. Which is fitting because when I think padding the runtime i think the dog who saved the holidays how many montages of people generically having fun did this movie have 17 i think i counted yeah it's this movie is fascinating because i mean this series and again you can go back and listen to our previous episodes it was always a fairly thin premise but 
by this third movie, they are really running on fumes of like what this is. And it's weird because you would think that they would try to expand out the world, but they don't. No, they they 100% hit the most reset of reset buttons while at the same time acknowledging all of the things that happened. Yeah. Which that's actually a good because I don't want to forget this. So I'll just go ahead and mention this now. I thought one of the funniest things in this movie was the montage where uh, the dog was remembering all their good times together and they were using footage of like the previous films, but they could only show the parents because the children were different actors. So it was just like very convenient editing where it was a lot of like the feet or lower half of the children in like wide shots, but never their faces. No, it's, it is absolutely delightful. Uh, This is a fun bit of trivia related to this. And this is granted a bit of a reach, but the actor that plays Ben Bannister uh, is named Wyatt Griswold. Amazing. Uh, and it is w- a well-known fact that in all of the vacation movies, very intentionally, the kids are played by different actors. Right. Like that that franchise leaned into that. Like that was a like joke. It, it, it was it, it was part of the joke. It was part of the gag that they went from Anthony Michael Hall and the girl whose name I forget to two completely different people that kind of looked similar in the second one. But then by the third one, it's Juliette Lewis and Johnny Galecki. And yeah. then in uh, Vegas Vacation, it's Ethan Embry and someone else. Wow, you're way better at remembering who was in which ones than I would be. But that's well done. Yeah. Um, if I was re- if I had actually prepared, I would have uh, gotten them all, but I didn't. Um, but yeah, no, I just think that's really funny that one of the, the recast kids is named Griswold. No, that is pretty great. I wonder if that's uh, just why they... Gave him the part. He didn't actually audition. They just saw a headshot that said Griswold, and they were like, done. Let's do it. it who cares? Yeah. <laughs> who cares? Um, but yeah, like this. So I will say, having watched all three now, uh, I got some legitimate enjoyment out of the first installment. The first one has moments, and it's it's a very silly plot, but like there's a story there, and you know, the whole the idea of a police dog who has lost the ability to bark is, hey, you say what you will. But again, having seen all three, that's a story arc, baby. Like there's a beginning, a middle and an end. And, you know, dog home alone's a bunch of uh, bumbling crooks in. Yeah. In. Um, and then, like, it got a little thinner with the second one saving Christmas vacation. But I think the second one, you had a poodle, which was Paris Hilton, right? Like, yes. So you kind of had that where you were playing with status a little bit of the dogs. And then, you know, you had this thing of the they hide the jewel and a dog collar. Sure. Like you're mixing it up enough. Also, I think the real strength of the second one, now that I'm remembering it, is and we talked about this a lot in that episode was the fact that. The two bumbling crooks sort of had to pretend they were on a luxury vacation together, which is a solid pitch. They're getting massages and like, you know, Joey Coco Diaz is sort of like getting into. Also, that's funny, too, because like there was a like kind of a bit where he had to uh, present as a woman like to to, you know, at certain parts. And they kind of dropped that in this one. Yeah, um, this one, like turns zeus into like a can't do anything right character and that's not his deal so it's like goes against his character um the other i mean we could call this an early silver lining but uh you know uh kevin ban or jonathan bannister kevin bannister that's his name right the dad kevin james's brother there whatever his name is I said it earlier, and now that you've said different names like gary uh, valentine george bannister george bannister yeah Gary Valentine is the uh, actor's name. I'm glad his veneers got second billing on this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, they were present in the second one, but they were really shining here. Yeah. Well, now he he has dog who saved money like he's he's yeah. done two of them. So like he's you know, he's really got that money to get 
just the pearliest whites. But like this movie, like he plays such a schmuck. Well, I mean, that was always we talked about that in the first one that from the beginning, this is very tied to that like 90s CBS sitcom vibe of like schlubby, terrible husband and attractive wife that nags him and he's terrible and, you know, sort of. What the Simpsons usually managed to toe the line on in early seasons and sort of lost how to do of, you know, that sort of disparity. But like from the first one, it's just he's terrible. She's written as a shrew. And then this one's real weird because she's not like outwardly as like complaining as they wrote her in the first movie. But it just does one of my least favorite things, which is an absolutely contrived conflict that could be easily solved with just communication and it's just forced like she's real jealous because he's texting a woman and he's denying it and instead of just like having a conversation she just gets real suspicious and then the payoff is that which also this is right before christmas and their anniversary and she gives no benefit of the doubt to why he might be secretive around that time. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. Like, I like to consider myself being in a fairly successful marriage. I and mean, we've been married for almost 15 years at this point, uh, you know, which is a good long time. <clears throat> if I was trying to, let's say, surprise my wife with whatever birthday, anniversary, what have you. And she was getting like maliciously suspicious. I would just explain what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, uh, that was the rejected Lucky Charms uh, tagline. They're maliciously suspicious. That, that didn't test as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frosted Lucky Charms. They're maliciously suspicious. Yeah. It's just like it was. They were like, that's almost there. That's so close. But there's something not so right. So close. I don't know what it is. <laughs> They're maliciously, I mean, that leprechaun is maliciously suspicious of those kids. And then that's what people don't realize is what happened is the guy at the advertising agency who was pushing that got so upset that he quit the company and wrote the leprechaun series. Right. Yeah. Little and stay tuned to a leprechaun movie, probably one October. I can't believe we haven't done a leprechaun movie yet. It's, I can't believe we haven't just done leprechaun movies. Yeah. Well, look out for next October when we do three leprechaun movies and the dog <laughs> who saved Halloween. <laughs> oh, I've never wanted our podcast to end next September more. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just I'm not a fan of the misunderstand like and again when it's done well like something like fraser you know does farce really well of like a yeah. character mishears something or whatever it, if it's clever and done well i love it but if it's just you could just have a conversation to clear this up you, you could know? just have respect for your life partner yeah it just gets really frustrating so that was that was already a bad decision and then they also just make the weird so what are the two the the criminals names do you remember their uh real life supervillain dean kane <laughs> and joey coco diaz are the actors and joey coco diaz but like yeah That's... what are their character names uh farty and uh real life supervillain <laughs> <laughs> it's uh dean kane plays ted stein ted stein ted stein you used to be able to and... win his money in the 90s right <laughs> yeah yeah. Um and it gave the world Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Um and uh Joey Coco Diaz character is named Stewie. Stewie. It, it, that's well named. I mean. Yeah. But uh but yeah, like they their storyline is very strange because they seem to have gone straight in the beginning, but weirdly in some sort of self-imposed purgatory have chosen a life where they are dog groomers together. It's a weird, like, self-flagellation, like, religious zealot penance. Yeah. That because they've been foiled by a dog in their uh, efforts to be criminals, they now must groom dogs. Yeah, it's it's a weird idea, but, like, I could have been into it, but they immediately don't stick with that. Like, I, I think it could have been fun, especially now that this is the third movie, to do an arc where they are now 
reluctant. They, you know, the, you know, once bitten, twice shy. Like they, they failed twice. They don't want to get involved in this anymore. And I, I feel like they did a little bit of that where, where, uh, Coco Diaz, like he, he sees that Zeus is in the house and he runs out of the house and he's terrified and he wants no part of it. But it's like, then they just drop it. Right. And it could have even been an interesting angle to pursue where like Zeus keeps thinking they're up to no good when they're literally just dog groomers. Oh, that's whatever. Uh, the, the, you can do the sideshow Bob, uh, the one episode yeah. with Cecil. I don't know why we're talking so much about Frasier, but uh, but the Cecil episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, where it's right. like Zeus is poking around. You know what I just thought of, too, by the way, that like also could have been fun is because you have so you have two dogs. You have Zeus and then you have Eve, who's like a little puppy version, that, but they look the same. It could have been a fun bit of like. Joey Diaz goes in the house and he sees Zeus and he runs out. And then Dean Kane is like, well, let me go check this out. Ted is like, I want to see it. And then when he looks, he just sees the little puppy. And like, you could have kind of had fun with that of like, right. You're like, traumatized. Like, oh, Zeus isn't you here. Think, you think every dog is Zeus that it's just yeah. a lab puppy. It's not Zeus. Yeah. Like, I think there was, I think that's the thing with this movie is there were potential ways to go that could have been fun but the movie just chooses the laziest least interesting <laughs> path I, I think what it what it comes down to is uh creative team behind the dog who saved series holler at your boys yeah we could we could still today i mean this was this one came out in 2012 i don't know when the most recent one came out but if you need a 2022 dog who saved we can do it well i mean here's my pitch right uh it's, you know, we love shared universes and we love mashups, right? Mm-hmm. The dog who saved Tokyo. He <laughs> fights Godzilla. I mean, I'm in. 100%. It's, it's got... We'll get Mario Lopez back because I feel like he'd be into that. I do think... Um, and, I didn't know I'd say this, but like... I think they lost something when they lost Mario Lopez. I I love me some Joey Lawrence. I think uh, Joey his Lawrence character was Blossom. Unequivocally... A silver lining of money plane. Oh, yeah. Big also, time, big time. With Kelsey Gra what is happening? What is going on? <laughs> why do we keep talking about Kelsey Grammer? I don't know I why don't, it's happening. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I need a hug and a warm mug of cocoa. <laughs> All roads lead back to Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> All roads lead to the grumble. <laughs> or the, the rumble, that's okay, what he's called. But also another pitch. The grumble... And it's where the rumble has three spirits visit him on Christmas. <laughs> and he has to give up his money plane and ways in order no, no, to. No. So it's the grumble because the rumble <laughs> tries to steal Christmas. It's, it's like the Grinch where he's <laughs> it's just the Grinch. Look, I'm going to be real honest. We're just doing the Grinch, but with Kelsey Grammer's with character Kelsey Grammer the as the grumble. Yeah. And he might even just be like green screen in front of the uh, 60s cartoon. He could do it. If anyone could pull it off, it's the Gram. Let me tell you. Um, Who has or, a new Christmas movie, by the way, that I I'm going to be honest sort of hope is maligned so we can do it you know i mean we did the kelsey Grammer one last year yeah but the, he i saw that he and spencer uh Grammer, his daughter yeah, did a Christmas yeah, yeah, movie yeah. i did see that 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 exists so you know we'll see yeah maybe it's bad um fingers maybe. crossed <laughs> um I, you know what that if this movie had cared at all that maybe the rumble would have been the crime boss that was trying to cut off the thumbs of ted stein and stewie Oh, my God. If only. By the way, though, sorry, I didn't want to I don't want to blaze too far past it. So what it, how are you picturing this? So you you think that the banisters take a, a vacation to J to Japan? Yeah, they go to um, yeah, they go to Japan for the holidays mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, they're like, oh, well, you I, know, got it. Wait, wait. I got it because uh, what are we saying? His name is. Uh, um, it's not Ted George Bannister. George George Bannister finds out that Kentucky Fried Chicken is really popular for Christmas in Japan because there's there's a whole thing you can this is real you can look into this is it. a real thing yeah but uh, the 
for some reason, the Japanese people, the KFC did a really successful job branding themselves as like the colonel as a Santa Claus figure in Japan. So like they just associate uh, Christmas as an American holiday, but they also associate it with KFC. So part of the tradition is to eat KFC chicken on uh, Christmas. So George finds this out. And so like. Obviously, his wife, who is much put upon, who deserves a win and who's going to be written better in this movie. That's our promise to you. She's like, so Elise Donovan, you will actually get because we're going to finish this. The dog who saves Tokyo pitch. But man, when you watch those like post credit bloopers and stuff, she is so nice and fun and warm and charismatic and interesting. Yes. And this is what we're going to do this movie, because that's so this is my thought, too, is like. So that she wants a vacation. She deserves a vacation. And he she wants to go to Japan because that's always been her dream. She's always wanted to see Japan. And she doesn't think that George will go for it. But he does because of the KFC thing. And then when he gets there, he's immediately knocked unconscious by Godzilla. And he's out of most of the movie for the almost he like just avoids getting stepped on falling debris. And he's just out. He's in a coma. The kids are by his side. But that means. That, you know, it's her time to shine. Yeah. And so really, while Zeus does indeed save Tokyo, so does uh, Mrs. Bannister. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really it's a team up between the two of them. And I know what you're wondering. And again, Andy, this is your pitch. So so please let me know if I'm overstepping. But like, I imagine that Zeus takes some kind of. Uh, you know, potion or formula. It probably should be more sciencey, but something that makes him the size of Godzilla. Oh, he becomes a kaiju one hundred percent. If that wasn't obvious, like which? Oh, it's it's a kaiju sized Zeus fighting Godzilla. Which look, Mario Lopez. You know, so far you for this series, you've you've just had to to voice Zeus's inner thoughts, but in this one. You're going to put on a rubber suit. <laughs> We're going to go full suitmation. Yeah. And you're going to play giant uh, Kaiju Zeus. Kaiju Zeus. Which also, I feel like because his name is Zeus, that he needs to have lightning bolts. Oh, he Kaiju Zeus has lightning powers for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Like, I mean, it's just this movie writes itself. So again, the dog who saved Tokyo, holler at your boys. Which, how about this? What do you think of this for the ending is... Whatever in beginning potion that Zeus gets, the scientists also realize it works both ways because they need to be able to get Zeus back to normal size. So in the end, what happens is that Godzilla is shrunk down into a tiny lizard, which then the sun banister gets in a cage. Like So it ends with just as a pet. Yeah, yeah he has a pet. He wanted a pet lizard. We set that up. In Act One, and then in the and end, he has Godzilla in the cage, like in a little a pi- terrarium. Uh, he gets a yeah. I think you know it's great, <laughs> and we just got to find something for uh, real life supervillain Dean Kane to do. Die in the first reel. Well, uh, and stu- well, and obviously he's the reason that Godzilla surfaces. He somehow releases Godzilla and like causes Godzilla to turn uh, villainous. Yeah. Like full on 1950s Godzilla raging against the city of Tokyo. Yeah. And once he's dead, then uh, Joey Diaz can finally find love when uh, <laughs> when he meets up with uh, Vincent uh, Pastore. Yeah. When he and Vincent Pastore, who's also vacationing in Japan uh, when they cross paths. And then they eat lasagna and Cubanos. And it's actually, it's a, uh, it's secretly in the way that they did, you know, 10 Cloverfield Lane or whatever. Like, this is secretly the way that we get <laughs> lasagna and Cubanos made. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's can't miss. I think it's going to be the best dog who saved movie yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. And like, even if you don't want to do, it could be like dog, dog who saves the cherry blossom festival, but it's really the dog who saves Tokyo because yeah. he saves Tokyo from Godzilla. Well, and also I know if you're, if, if those of you who are George Bannister fans, if you're wondering about his fate, we're going to do exactly what they did last month, which is <laughs> just, you will not see him again, but there will be one voiceover line that's like, George is going to make it. 
<laughs> I'm here for it. I'm all in. We're going to do it exactly that way where <laughs> someone is holding his head in the street and says, he's gone into a coma. Into a coma. <laughs> um, and this movie's going to have at least 70% more Mindy Sterling. Oh, yeah. Which we need to talk about this. So. One of the best things about I think it was our biggest was the lesbian romance, the the uh, late in life, the golden years lesbian romance between Mindy Sterling and uh, the cat lady. Yeah, which was great. And that was it was like strongly implied in the first movie. And then it was supported in the dog who saved Christmas vacation because they were still celebrating Christmas together. So it was like still going strong that like you could Im- infer that they were a couple, that they were spending Christmas together. And then no mention this movie just completely dropped, you know, like she just has a house full of random <laughs> Benetton children. I do love the subplot that she does not want to spend <laughs> Christmas with the other banisters that she will spend it with literally anyone that isn't them. anyone at all. She like broke into a house and it's actually, <laughs> she's actually holding them hostage. But yeah, I I'm very so in our movie, yeah, she's she's going to reunite with the the cat lady, obviously. Graphically. Yeah. Was that who was it? Now I'm trying to remember. Was it Adrian Barbeau or like who was the It was someone like Adrian Barbeau. Yeah. It was um like a, it was a, a well a recognizable actress. Um and yeah, I was so disappointed that Mindy Sterling got one scene with a bunch of like children from a Benetton ad and that was all she did it was Adrian Barbeau as Cat Lady Mildred well done yeah look I mean I ship them so you know yeah I I ship them very hard so that all (laughs) makes perfect sense uh uh, this movie man so let's talk about though Stewie you know Joey Diaz again like I said I think they made a step forward for his character in uh, the dog who saved Christmas vacation. I, I loved him being pampered and, you know, pretending to be this like woman on a, a, you know, some sort of spa vacation. Good stuff. This movie makes him just guy who farts. And I love a good fart joke. Uh, this is the podcast that is the birthplace of the Davenport Poop Pass. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We support scatological humor mm-hmm. when it's done well and when it's done effectively. But yeah, it turned like his farting was always kind of was an aspect of his character in all the other movies. It's but, his only thing in this movie. Well, and it was also sort of grounded. <laughs> it's weird to say, but like. Because wasn't the first movie, it was that he would eat bologna and that made him gassy, but he kept eating it. Because he loved that bologna sandwich. Yeah. But it's like, they don't even really have that. And it's sort of weird of, that's how, which I mean, it does make a bit of sense, but like Zeus recognizes him by his farts. Yep. But it's, which... I will. The only thing that I would give this movie a little bit of credit for is it does seem like Joey Diaz really does fart during takes. Like we saw that in the gag reel for the first one, and he definitely did it again in like the beach scene. Bless you, Joey Coco Diaz. Yeah, I think that he does it because he has to share the screen with real life supervillain Dean Kane, and I think it's like a passive aggressive power move how passive it's an aggressive aggressive power move (laughs) it's just a statement of oh i can tolerate my own brand you're gonna have to deal with these farts real life supervillain dean kane yeah (laughs) but all right let's also talk about this weird lone shark plot line it is utterly nonsense okay i get that Ted Stein and Stewie could run afoul of some shady characters. That part makes sense. Well, and the the setup tracks enough to me. Again, as we said, they've put themselves into purgatory. They've decided to launch a dog grooming business. And to do so, 
they took out a, a loan, which makes sense. They're ex-cons. Like, they're right. not going to get a Startup loan from a capital. bank. Yeah, like it all, that all tracks. That tracks. But <laughs> then to go from there to this leap of, so because of that, the guy wants his money back. He's going to cut off their thumbs. And then, <laughs> weirdly, it's like, wait, don't you guys break into houses? I want you to steal a bedazzled star that's uh full of real diamonds which i so i'm very confused too about all of this because one the star turns out not to be in the house that is is it uh george's sister right that they're staying with played by shelly long yeah but it's right like it's the, I think it is his sister. Yeah, it's that's who they're spending the holidays with. And she has a whole thing uh, where her and a famous TV dad are in a competition uh, to see who can have better Christmas lights. <laughs> Family ties. Michael Gross. Yeah, thank you. I can remember his name, but uh, that uh, I like to think of him as uh, Tremors. Michael Gross, but his best work yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, but Michael yeah, Gross. Terry Gross's husband. Uh, yes. I assume I've done no sure. research, but that it seems right. In our cinematic universe, it is. <laughs> uh, she needed to get that fresh air because of all the tremors. Like she needed to get away. Yeah. You know, but uh, uh, yeah. So they, they have some big. Oh, man, there's got to be a crossover with like Godzilla and the tremors and the dog who saved. Like there's something there. I mean, we can build a whole thing you know like we're we're we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves but maybe oh maybe the post credits kind of hints at that's that's the sequel but uh also oh man what if we had uh joey diaz take the the serum and become a giant kaiju and his farts attack godzilla and they're like a poison mist cloud Right, like a la um, the Smog Monster mm -hmm. or, you know, Hihitera or any of those. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. Yeah, and he has like a bologna sandwich in his pocket that becomes a giant bologna sandwich. Of course it becomes a giant bologna sandwich. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but the uh, video game rights alone for this movie through the roof. I, which, I, I apologize in advance. All the kids are going to be fighting over who gets to be Joey Diaz. And it's going to be contentious. You know, I don't want to be Zeus. I want to be Stewie. Come on. It's like, fine. If you let me play Stewie next round, I'll be I'll be Godzilla. But I, I get guess. to be Stewie next round. I guess. I guess I'll be Godzilla. <laughs> as long as I can be Stewie for the murdering real life supervillain Dean Kane mini game. <laughs> Which is between every round. It's like the Street Fighter thing where they beat up the car, except it's Dean Kane. <laughs> And he just says, like, what happened to real America? Ugh. You know, uh, like, uh, uh. oh, you can't say true justice anymore. Uh, uh. Yeah, it's like all of that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, so but yeah, so the first of all, this loan shark does no research because he doesn't know where the star is. And the star that they steal. Look, no offense to uh, George it's fine, George Bannister's sister. But like that looks like uh, Michael's. You know, like that a hot glue it. gun. <laughs> you know? If I had to guess, given the read I've gotten on uh, George Bannister and his family, that was bought at Hobby Lobby. Let's be honest. Well, here. well, yeah. Uh, I but, mean, let's 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 put it all out there. Yeah, yeah. But whatever the case, that that thing was twenty dollars or less, and it's just yeah. a bunch of rhinestones on a cardboard <laughs> star. <laughs> like it looks cheap, but then. Yeah, there's a weird reveal that the the real star was just buried in the beach, which to me, maybe I missed something and please feel free to, to tell me if I did. But like, was that earned in any way that just feels that's like a left field last minute reveal, right? I, I think so. But like, it makes me think that that maybe in one of the montages, like Zeus or Eve buried the star in the sand. Oh, that would make more sense. So it didn't happen. Yeah, that would, that would be better writing. Yeah. Um. Although, I like, because I think we're kind of just bouncing around at this point. <laughs> like, an honest silver, like, probably the only time I legit approached anything like a chuckle 
was when the beachcomber just picked it up and put it in his pocket as nonchalantly as possible. No, that was good. Th- that shot was good. That was easily the best filmmaking in the yes. entire movie. The way that was framed. You had like a little bit of silhouetting happening and you had... <laughs> it was it, not unlike the uh, famous scene in Raiders when they go to the, the dig and... Yeah. Well, plus like they're staring out into the ocean together, you know, <laughs> two criminals. Uh but yeah, we are bouncing around. We do need to pivot in a minute. And I do have another silver lining. Don't you worry. But uh, before we get to that, though, too, I do think the Zeus and Eve stuff, we sort of talked around it, but I think we need to just take a minute to talk about it a little more because it's so lazy and so untrue to Zeus's character. And Evie is not a I want to call her Evie, but Eve uh, is not a good character either that doesn't really make a lot of sense like it wasn't like she was evil and she's won over she's i couldn't really get a grasp on what her deal was supposed to be her deal is she was in the movie (laughs) but like she she's not quite one-upping him it almost seems like she blind luck is the recipient of oh all she the totally gumps her way into getting like all the adoration of the family 100 percent. also can we take a minute to these fair weather banisters i'm right a, like what what hasn't zeus done for you has he not proved himself over these Time last two and movies again yeah you doubted him in the first movie because that you paid that guy to break in the house with a steak, which is still the most hilarious thing that's happened in any of these movies. Yes. Uh, but I get in the first movie, you didn't really trust him because he couldn't bark and he was supposed to be your security dog, but he proved himself there. Then he proved himself again in Christmas Vacation. And now, now you get some shiny new puppy. And you immediately just bail on him. You throw him in the 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 barn, the goat shed, in the goat shed. Which seems- every fabulous Malibu mansion has a goat shed, <laughs> and it only seems to exist when he's thrown into it. It is never mentioned any other time. Or because like- I don't know if I owned goats. They would be a pretty significant part of my personality. You would think that that, especially again, like in California, just like as it's not like it's a working farm, you know, it's just it, they're vanity goats. If we're really being honest. They're 100 percent vanity goats. They're not there to like maintain the lawn. They're not there. She's not raising them for meat. No. So yeah. she just has a couple of goats that that's also strange. Uh, but. That actually kind of segues, well, you might be still be on this side, but that segues into another maligning that I have of this movie. Uh, yeah, go with your thing. I actually had a different thing, too, but we'll go with your different okay. thing. Yeah, sure. Great. So they make a deal at the beginning of this movie about the fact that they're going to California. Mm-hmm. They live in California. Yeah, that's pretty established in the first movie. We talked about that in the first movie. Like heavily established in the first movie that they yeah. live in California. Yeah, which it's in like fact, super obvious that that's where it's shot. Right. Like it's. And. It's just, again, so effing lazy. Yeah. No, I'm I, sorry. I my thing was I was just thinking about the fact to your point, because I think you were right of if they had done the sideshow Bob Cecil thing, I think a great plot line would have been if Stewie and real life supervillain Dean Kane did go straight, right? And they just had a dog grooming business, but Zeus saw them and was suspicious. And then this loan shark character really was trying to break into the house, but it was him and not them. And then they decide to stop him because they're trying to atone and Zeus doesn't trust them. This ending would have really hit of because the end is that Zeus <laughs> takes out what, like, them again, but he also like takes out four guys with a Christmas tree. <laughs> 
you know. I mean, I, I we've, we've all had a Christmas tree fall on us. It can do some serious damage. Yeah, it can take out four men standing conveniently. Four large, hired muscle men. Yeah, who are directly underneath it. Uh, but um, like, but yeah, uh, if if Zeus does in the end learn that they were trying to help and saves them from the real villains, that would have been... And I say real villains, I mean in the movie, not in real life, because in real life, the real villain is still Dean Cain, just to be clear. That is, the real villain is real life supervillain Dean Cain. <laughs> but in the movie, the real villains would be this Lone Shark guy. And his toughs. And his toughs. And then Zeus, you could have done like a great thing, like a midnight run final thing where the cops are showing up and Zeus kind of gives a look or point break. Choose your choose your reference. But like essentially where Zeus lets them run off into the night and fires a gun up in the air, I guess. I was going to say, and I know what you're thinking. Does Zeus fire a gun up in the air and go, ah, 100% Zeus fires a gun up into the air and goes, ah. Yeah. The question, and I don't have a good answer, but whatever you think I'll defer to is like, does Joey Lawrence do the the sound or do, do we get the dog to do it? I think it's both. Okay. Which they did do in this movie. They had barking. There's a few and, times where the dog yeah. is barking and then... Yeah, like, that's another just inconsistency that, like, are these dogs communicating telepathically or are their barks being interpreted by the other animals? Like, it's it's inconsistent at best. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't know the answer. We we went in, we went deep on the the world in the first one. You can go back and listen to that where we tried to make sense of it. But I feel like it makes less sense by the end of this third movie. <laughs> Yeah, I would I would say another thing that like you could if you wanted to keep some of the plot beats of this movie that maybe the reason that the Bannister family is losing their trust in Zeus is that in his like efforts to expose the uh the stinky bandits as um being bad guys still, maybe that's where he like makes some mistakes and like maybe yeah. knocks over the Christmas tree, does the That would be better. Things. Yeah, like he he's trying to catch them and he's wrong. And that's where he's he's messing up. Right. And that's where he gets sent to live with the goats. Because obviously that still happens. That's too yeah, important. I mean, that's that's gold. That's the best scene in the movie. <laughs> um, I mean, that scene actually, I think, got a Writers Guild uh, commendation. So, you know. Yeah. Best uh, goat scene in 2012. Non-porn division. <laughs> The porn division one is it's great if you haven't seen it. Yeah, and um, it, it's funny because like in 2012, no one was going for, it, but you can see it now. A24 took notice and they were like, oh, we're winning best goat scene from here on out. Like <laughs> oh, we'll yeah, put a goat is, this... in every weird movie that we make now. Yeah, it's always going to be there. Um, I mean, I, we could tear this movie apart from dusk till dawn okay. and still have three days. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> I, I, let, let's actually pivot. No, let's um, pivot. I have two things, my friend. That's seven more than I have. Okay. Uh, I'll go with, hold on. The, the, like, I got to pull one up because I'm, I should have had this, but I remembered it as we were talking. So one of the things that, has been obviously we've talked about on this show before that uh, imdb is a is a resource that we use it's a good site uh it also if you listen to hobo radio the uh, the other podcast that i do uh i there's a game that i play on that um where i will sort of take the parents guide for a movie and give the clues and then have people try to guess the movie based on the parents guide so and these are submitted by parents, again, that are they're trying to help other parents. If they, you go on IMDb, it sort of tells you what's in the movie, but it's all user-based. Everything on IMDb, all the trivia and stuff, it's all user-submitted. I happened to catch, when I was looking at the stuff for this, whoever submitted for this movie, I don't know if they're doing a bit or not, but it cracked me up to see sex and nudity severe. <laughs> <laughs> a man attempts to seduce his pregnant wife while they're in bed together. <laughs> a woman constantly worries about her husband, possibly seeing another woman behind her back. Violence and gore. Severe. A lone shark threatens to cut off two men's thumb with a cigar clipper if he doesn't receive his money. A man is bludgeoned from behind with a metal shovel. 
alcohol, drugs, and smoking. Severe. A man is seen spilling wine with his wife before his glass spills on the bed. <laughs> I just, and again, if you haven't looked at these ratings, severe is like a hard R or like NC-17 horror movie. <laughs> like if you're saying the right. violence is severe, that usually means like blood and guts. Like intense gore. Yeah. So I found this very funny that I again I don't know if someone's doing a bit or if it's some sort of the the families that watch the dog who saved series have a very high standard for what they think is acceptable. I will say that shovel shot was harsh. Well, and I, I think that's what's funny is everything that they're saying is in the movie. hundred percent. But it's just the decision that therefore. <laughs> no, real life supervillain Dean Kane straight up gets hit in the face with a shovel and no sells it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, the loan shark is threatening. It's like much discussed that the loan shark is going to cut their thumbs off. Like he has a, he has like two cigar th- cutters that he's ready to clip their thumbs with. And that would cut your thumb off. Which also, by the way, this is reminding me too. I know we pivoted, but. The scene where George spills the wine in bed, why does he lie to his kids about it being wine? Did you catch that? <laughs> he says, I spilled uh, juice. It's like, th- you're an adult. You're allowed to drink wine in bed. <laughs> None of it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. But that was one. I don't know. Do you have any? I have one more, but if you have anything. Um, this is incredibly thin and tenuous, mm-hmm. um, but the, the movie does contain a clip of the real big fish holiday song, Happy Scala Days, and that made me happy. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Love it. So My... I'm, I'm going to give I'm going to call that a silver lining. OK, this is the last one I have, and it's also thin, but sincere. My favorite moment in the movie and I, I mean this, I, it, I won't say it like made me laugh, but it did make me smile and I really enjoyed it, is when they put the listening device, which is so big, this giant listening device that can also magically hear every room in the house, even though it's a giant house, sure. Uh, they, Stewie plants it and he and Dean Kane are sitting in the van and they're listening in. And he's eating a bologna sandwich. And it's the scene that the thing was talking about where George and it's a really messed up scene where George is trying to make his pregnant wife give him a massage that she does not want. But it's just the shot of Joey Diaz eating a bologna sandwich, just listening to them like, mm hmm. Yeah. Like he's like super into it. And he says something about how George isn't much of a ladies man or he's not good with the ladies or something. And it, it really did make me laugh. Like it's yeah, just, no, that, that, that yeah. scene is legit. Good. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that, I think we did it. I would say like it all, I Shelly long and Michael gross always bring a smile to my face. So I was happy to see them. Um, and they got together at the end. So that was cute. Uh, yeah. Which but, I'm surprised that didn't make the severe. Because that yeah. sex scene was powerful, passionate. Yeah, under the Christmas lights, it was like. And that real scene hot. actually got yeah. That scene actually got nominated for uh, best scene with a goat porn division. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's. I mean, because again, you know, all, everyone's in the house. So they where are they going to go? Well, I guess the barn. Yeah, they're going to go to the goat shed. <laughs> Which, and let me tell you, they go to the goat shed. <laughs> Oh man, did we just invent with well, it? Has to already exist, but I'm like, is that on like Urban Dictionary? <laughs> Going to the goat shed? Yeah. It is now. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, I, these are these are terrible movies. But I've had a lot of fun doing our episodes about the three of them. That we never need do them again. Also, is a silver lining for me. Honestly, yeah, let's take a minute. The real silver lining is that we've watched every dog who saved Christmas adjacent movie. And unless we really hate ourselves and, and we do hate ourselves, let's be clear here. So next year, when we do both Easter and 
yeah. into Halloween. This po- a podcast where they are trying to cling to the tiny bits of silver linings in awful movies is not made by healthy people. Let's just get that out in the open. Which do you think is better, the Easter one or the Halloween one? <sighs> Halloween's going to be better, is my yeah. guess. We're doing Halloween, right? Let's just commit to it now. We hate ourselves. Yeah. Well, because I think we're going to do three episodes of like... Leprechaun. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, we talked about how we're going to do like uh, blank in the hood movies. So like Jason Takes Manhattan, Leprechaun in the Hood. And then we'll do The Dog Who Saved Halloween. Yep. So 2023. Uh, what a year. Can't be worse. Yeah. And Joey Diaz, if you're listening, we would love nothing more than to have you as a guest. To talk about whatever movie you want. Doesn't have to be a dog who saved movie, but we will pitch you lasagna and cubanos while you're here. We talk about that movie more than probably anything else that we talk about. I'm gonna be real honest. Out of every movie that we've ever pitched on this show, it's the one I want to make the most. Jason goes to court is, I think, still number one oh, for me. That one's really good too. But it's, I think it's top two. I think the dog who saved Tokyo might be number three, but that could be recency bias. Yeah. Also, I mean, maybe Jason goes to court because he also becomes a giant kaiju. And maybe we maybe this is all a cinematic universe that we're creating. Why not? (laughs) It's going to be hell getting all these uh, rights to these various franchises. But both so worth it. That's why our team of lawyers doesn't sleep. Well, that ain't because they're terrible people. Yeah, they're just, they have really bad insomnia. It's, it's, it's actually kind of sad. It's their morals. It's because they're, they're so evil because they're lawyers. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, they, they're the best. They, they, they're the best at what they do and what they do isn't very nice. And the worst. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hi, everyone. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Stephanie Smarr. And this is Stephanie Knows Some Shit, where every week we are going to tap into Stephanie's brain and share with you some of the insight that she has about cooking, shopping, Top Chef, all of the things that you want to know. Yeah, we're going to tell some stories, enjoy some time together, and really dive into the things that you might be afraid to Google. We might have the answer. I actually, I'm pretty confident we do.